Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Get more of a woman's view online at ksl.com. Keyword woman. Now, Amanda Dixon on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Such a pleasure this week to have Jean Millar with me, the executive director of the Women and Newborns Clinical Program at Intermountain Healthcare. Pamela Atkinson is my guest, community advocate and advisor to Governor Herbert, and Liz Salas is here, marketing and communications manager for the Salt Lake County Library. And I just want to bring up this topic, although I know it's a difficult one and perhaps one that we shouldn't dwell on too much. But when I saw this, that... Missouri may, in the near future, have no location, no clinic offering abortion after Planned Parenthood loses its license there. There was only one clinic left. Um, And that would be, I think, the first time since Roe v. Wade that a state in the union, Jean, tell me if I'm right, does not have a single uh, clinic yeah, that is my understanding. Did, can you offer any opinion, or is this too delicate of a subject for you to offer? Well, I, I do have a couple of thoughts about this. Um, again, my personal opinions. Um, but there are indications, just as we have in the state of Utah, where an abortion is certainly warranted. Um, I think of instances where a mother um, determ- or is informed that her unborn child has lethal fetal anomalies, for example. What does that mean? Um, So this baby may have um, a condition that's incompatible with life, um, and she may choose to terminate that pregnancy earlier um, and not carry that baby to term. Um, Can you give me an example of that? I'm sorry, but I don't understand. So um, one example would be um, a baby may um, have a condition called anencephaly, so the brain has not completely formed, and that um, defect is not compatible with life. So that particular baby would have um, brainstem activity, but functionality, but other than that, um, the entire uh, upper brain is missing from, it doesn't develop um, in the fetus. And so um, that mother may elect to terminate that pregnancy um, rather than carrying that baby to full term. Um, So that, um, in that instance, that mother would not have that option um, to, if there are no uh, facilities uh, available. Um, In the newscast, there was a mother, um, she was pregnant with her fourth child, but they had a similar situation with their third child. This was in Missouri. Um, she was interviewed as part of that um, news story, and they um, opted because of a lethal anomaly to terminate um, their third pregnancy. And um, again, her concern was that that would no longer be um, an option in their in their state. Um, I think the other indication that's really critical is when the health of the mother is at risk. So I had a close friend. Um, who worked with me in California, and she was pregnant with her first baby. Um, This baby also had a condition that was incompatible with life, um, and she was a brittle diabetic. 
And so for her to continue, and this was an extremely difficult decision for her. She was of the LDS faith. Um, for her to make that decision, but her health was certainly um, at tremendous risk of carrying that uh, baby to term. I can't, I can't imagine that any of these decisions, Jean, would be easy decisions. No, I no mean, certainly I, my, not. My heart goes out to these mothers. They're learning that the worst possible thing is wrong Their with the worst baby. Nightmare because they is, want, these, these are wanted children in, in these cases, are they not? Absolutely. And so these are the conditions when I think not having any service at all in a state, having those um, mothers have to travel to another state, for example, for that um, service is certainly a disadvantage. Um, but then we, and I know we'll talk later about um, economic gap, um, but there are individuals who desire that service but don't have the financial ability to travel out of state or to be able to, um, you know, obtain those services um, at another location. So I, I do think it's it's a sad commentary on, um, again, politicizing um, in many ways medical care that, um, and this is abortion aside in terms of elective abortion, but there are certainly indications when abortion is necessary or appropriate, um, again, primarily the health of the mother and where that service is not going to be available is, mm -hmm. is very unfortunate. I appreciate your perspective, Jean. Thank you very much. Please, please Liz. So I, I believe that it's a, real, um, it's a real risk to women's rights. And I think that there are some women who don't agree with abortion, and I respect that. And they have that opportunity to do so because we all have those freedoms. However, when we take this option away, we're taking rights away from other women who don't perhaps have your same viewpoints. And I also feel that a lot of the discussions tend to demonize the women who are making the decision without people having facts about why they might be making it. And to me, that's really, really concerning. Um, I would encourage people to gather more information, non-biased information, look at both sides of the argument. And you can easily do that by stopping by any public library and, and doing the research on your own or working with a reference librarian who can give you historical information about Roe versus Wade and talk to you about why, how that came to be. And, and then, you, again, look at the different sides around the story. But for me, I the greatest concern is that it impacts women's rights. But and I, ha I have to jump in, Liz. Forgive me for playing the devil's advocate and not the devil's advocate in this case because I know that there are people listening right now who will say, but what about the right of the unborn child? So w what does your mind say when I say that? Well, I think that, again, that's that's the decision for the person who is is having to basically grow that child. I mean, they could have a variety of reasons that we may not be aware of. They may not have support. So the other concern is once that child is born, what then happens to the child? I have the privilege of participating on the Utah Newborn Safe Haven Advisory Work Group. And what we are constantly focusing on is how to make sure these babies who are born and are unwanted don't end up in a dumpster or, you know, wrongly placed on the side of the road. Even sometimes they don't even take them to the right facilities. They right. should be taking them to hospitals. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we ha you have to look at it from multiple perspectives and, and have a better understanding of um, why somebody might be doing it. And, and maybe we should look at how we can help, in some cases, 
preventing those pregnancies from happening. And that stems back to education. It stems, it stems to access to medical care from the very beginning, um, access to mental health treatment for everybody. I mean, I think you need to look at uh, if you're pro-life, then you should be looking at how you should be pro-living. So keeping someone alive, making sure someone, a child is not aborted is great. However, at the same time, then what is your next step once that child has been born? How are you then going to support that child so that they have the same access to opportunity that every other child has in their community? Forgive me. I need to take a quick break. Uh, We'll come back, and I want to talk about uh, the economic disparity that, that you mentioned. We'll do that as soon as we come back here on A Woman's View. Stay with me. Back in a moment. 